With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket in association with IG Trading and Investments. And I'm happy to say it's been another epic day of Ashes Cricket here at Headingley, the first day. We are standing on the outfield here now, still catching our breath, trying to think of all the incredible things that have happened. I mean, so many interesting moments, but the, the bottom line is the game's perfectly poised, actually, isn't it? With Australia bowled out for 263, having been put in, and England... 200 behind but they've lost three wickets so I guess Simon they would probably think if we can keep that Bearstow root stand going we might get a lead but we might not. Yeah scintillating days test cricket captivating you know totally in keeping with the Ashes series so far I suppose if you put your mind back to 2019 Australia batted first got bowled out didn't they and England thought yeah we can capitalise under sunny skies and we think it's going to be sunny tomorrow but it wasn't necessarily the case and Australia fought back and dropped England for 67 obviously they've got to try to avoid something like that you know they've got to try to avoid being bowled out for 150 need to get up around Australia's score hopefully from their point of view get a lead and then unleash Mark Wood again fantastic you know two epic performances today from Wood and Mitch Marsh I mean two absolutely stunning performances it's Literally at 100 mile an hour cricket, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I know he wasn't did quite touch 100 miles an hour, but apparently that is the fastest spell of bowling in an innings since records began. Yeah. Average speed 90.5, I think, and top speed 95.8. No, no, sorry, 96, 96 miles an hour. So phenomenal performance and. I mean, just just watching it from the sidelines, you're cowering, actually. I mean, that is the fastest bowling I think I've ever seen, certainly at Headingley, anyway. Yeah. And you say rec- since records began. And what we don't mean there is back to, you know, 18... 18- 
80 since, or whatever. Speed records began. Speed records began, yeah. So, that, you know, it's not the whole of, of cricket history and we're not talking about the West Indies fast bowlers of the 1980s. We're talking about, you know, the relatively modern game, aren't we? Yeah, but I mean, you know, people would have said, how fast was that in comparison to those West Indians of the 1980s? Well, I would say, yeah. and you know, there's only one of those bowlers who had the same sort of stature as, as Mark Wood. That's Malcolm Marshall. Yeah. I played against Malcolm Marshall quite a bit and I certainly watched him from the side as well. I think Wood, Wood is quicker, definitely quicker. So of bowlers under six foot, and it's, it's very hard to, 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 to judge the speed of very tall bowlers because they get so much bounce mm. and the wicketkeeper's a mile back and you don't know whether it's the speed of the bowler or the bounce they're getting that causes the wicketkeeper to be so far back. But Bairstow today was almost on the advertising slogans. He was about 25 yards back, at least a pitch length back, and he was taking it head high. That's the fastest bowling I have seen here at, yeah. at Headingley, where you know the ball carried that far. And, and so I would say, for sure, he is the fastest bowler under six foot in the modern era. Yeah. And there was one incident where he banged one in short and it, it flew over Bairstow's head and went one bounce for four byes. You felt a bit un- unlucky for Johnny Bairstow. You felt it should have been five wides. But what I thought was fascinating, Yoz, and you, know, you, you can explain this one, well, not as a former fast bowler, but as a former pace bowler, how you can get into rhythm so quickly when you've hardly played. I, mean, this is, this is, that was, I think that was the most fascinating aspect of Woods bowling today. And I asked him about it afterwards. You know, how, how, do you, how do you find that rhythm and that pace? And not just pace. He also said as well that the thing that, he, that really pleased him most about his bowling today was the movement because he got the ball to swing. How do, you, how do you find that when you've been out for so long? Well, look, I, I would say uh, it's partly luck, actually. There's some days when you turn up, and it doesn't matter whether you have played every day for three weeks or nothing for six months, there are some days when the ball flies out of your hand beautifully. And I watched Wood practice today, uh, before the start of play, and he bowled, he bowled a few balls sort of downwind, down, hill, down the hill, and then he had a bit of a break. And then he just, just when he knew that England were fielding first, he came out for, two, for, for just a little bit of a, a, as a refresher before England went out onto the field. He bowled two balls to a wicketkeeper from this end, the, the Kirkson Lane end. And the first one to an imaginary right-hander absolutely soared and swung away and the keeper sort of had to go quite a long way to his right to take it. And I thought, wow, you know, he is swinging the ball here and he's really getting great carry. And then he said to the wicketkeeper, right, I just want to imagine it's a left-hander now. So just go across a little bit, wicketkeeper, as if I'm bowling to a left-hander. And he bowled the most beautiful delivery, which swung in late, just like the ball that bowled out Mitchell Stark and probably Usman Kawaja as well. And it just looked magnificent. And that's all he did. He bowled two balls and he knew after that, that, that's it, I've got the rhythm. I've got the, the ball is coming out of my hand beautifully. It's swinging quite late. It's carrying incredibly. I'm just in perfect rhythm. And... I think sometimes you just turn up and it's like that. And I, I felt actually, genuinely, I sat in the um, in the uh, the Western Terrace this morning, sort of wondering what the the atmosphere is going to be like. What, what was it like? It was great, actually. It was it was quite muted. You mm. know, they loved the wickets, of course. Mm. Um, they they gave the Australians a, a bit of a bird occasionally. You know, a bit a few lines, but nothing actually savage. It was very it was relatively respectful, actually. Probably because they hadn't had too much to drink. And also it was going quite well for England, so they didn't really need to say anything much. But I thought when Wood got that wicket of Kawaja, I thought what you always want to do, if you're, if you're in beautiful rhythm and the ball's coming out of your hand fantastically, as it, as it was for him today, you want to get that early wicket 
because that gives you a bit of a lift and then you you know you can come back and get the tail later but you want to get that early wicket to sort of convince you that it's going to be your day and it, and it, and it undoubtedly was he bowled absolutely magnificently I thought yeah it was it was cricket on fast forward and it was it was what England had been missing can you imagine if, if they had that at Edgbaston I, I can't see Australia winning that match at Edgbaston you know to, to take out the tail that I think that was the most uh, I don't know, telling thing today. Okay, the wicket of Kawaja was, was was fantastic. You're right, get an early wicket because he, he bowled well and he bowled quickly, but he wasn't he wasn't making the breakthrough. Then he got the wicket and he thought, yeah, this this could work. But to knock out the tail, which is what he did, I mean, Australia just I mean, collapsing, didn't they? They'd lost the last six wickets for 23 and 8.4 overs. Imagine that at Edgbaston, albeit on a slow pitch, but through the air, he'd have been quick, wouldn't he? And it, yeah, and. Pat Cummins, I mean, he was just beaten for pace, wasn't he? He, he couldn't, he couldn't yeah. get the bat down in time to play the shot. He got in a bit of a well, tangle. So was Stark, actually, yeah. before, before mm. as well. And, uh, you know, it was a magnificent uh, performance to, to, to get rid of the tail like that. And it just shows what pace does mm. to you, doesn't it? Because Carey, for instance, was hit. Horrible blow. He was the only one who was really hit today, actually. Mm. Mm. Interestingly, you know, we've seen in those first two games on slightly slow pitches, a lot of people hit. 54 batsmen hit during the Lord's Test. Amazing number of batsmen. Only one person hit today properly, and that was Carey. Hit on the back of the head, turned his back on it to Wood, and he was out next ball. Yeah. Well, he, he well he backed away, he didn't backed he? Away. Played, played, did a Harry Brook really? He was yeah. like, well, I'm, am I going to be a and that's standing? What pace does t- yeah, to you, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he thought, am I going to be a standing target? No, I'm going to play a few shots. He's with the tail as well, wasn't he? So he thought he'd better go on with it. But just what England wanted, he hold out to Wokes, and you know, there wasn't that much resistance. But I still think it's a day when England might reflect. I mean, they've had a, they've had a sort of decent-ish sort of day, haven't they? Okay, sort of day, really. And Wood bowled magnificently, and I thought Wokes did well on yeah, his Wokes comeback as well. well yeah. But it is a what-if day for England, isn't it? You know, more catches dropped, and they weren't difficult catches as well. I think that's the worry. And you saw the frustration when Root took a catch later on. He threw the ball into the ground. He did drop Mitchell Marsh on on, on 12. twelve, and Mitchell Marsh went on and played one of the one of the top-class Ashes innings that, and that of, of the modern era. It was fantastic yeah. hitting. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I mean, so it was definitely a day, day of sort of three different sessions. The first session, probably to England, four wickets mm. and only, a, what, 80-odd runs. 90, 91, 91 before at lunch. 91 before at lunch. Then, obviously, Mitchell Marsh came out and played that incredible knock that really uh, took, took the momentum away from England uh, and, and oh, got Australia back in the game. And then... Once he was out, Chris Wokes getting the wicket and slightly against the run of play, really. Then Wood came back into it and, and sort of gave England the upper hand again. And then, of course, Australia struck back in that last. Of session. course they did. Of course they did because that's the sort of team they are. Yeah. So, so it was a sort of a, like like the series. It's been ebbing and flowing, and I, I agree with you that England probably missed their opportunity. I mean, but in the end, they'll take 263 all out, won't they? I think, even though they did miss some chances. I think bowling a team out of 263 on here is a good effort, actually. Yeah, well, as long as you can make the most of it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, under sunny skies, we're, we're led to believe. OK, they have lost three wickets already. I mean, they do back quite deep in this game, but have they got the you know, the, the personnel? You know, Mark Wood hasn't played much cricket. Chris Wokes hasn't played much cricket, you know, with the bat. I'm just thinking, you know, some, some lower order runs. Mo and Ali hasn't played a, a huge amount of cricket, a meaningful first class cricket. So they're going to, you know, they're going to need some contributions from, from lower down the order. It's all very well saying, oh, they, you know, they, they sort of bat to number 11. They kind of do in a way, don't they? They're, everyone's capable of scoring a few, but they're going to have to support the, the top order batsmen and the middle order uh, batters you know, to get some 
you know, get, to get up around Australia's total. I think that's their first goal, isn't it? They, they, you cannot concede. They don't want to concede a first innings lead. They love a lead of. I mean, if you gave them a lead of 50 now, I think they would take that. They'd, you know, they'd be pretty happy with that, and that's a, a long way off at the moment. Really- By the way, I remember um, the, the, the old whole thing of drop catches, dropping a guy who then gets a hundred. Mm. Uh, Mitch Marsh dropped on tour by route. Mm. Absolute sitter, really. It slipped. I think that was the thing, Oz, is that the, the, the two of the catches that went down, Best has done the legs off Travis Head and the route catch, they were absolutely regulation catches. Not not just at this level, but county level, whatever. You, you, you'd you hope to take them 50 out of 50, wouldn't and, you? And really? I've got a horrible memory mm. of myself dropping an Australian <laughs> on naught. And it was only a club game, but it was an Australian touring team. I dropped their best player on naught. And he went on to get a hundred, mm. and it's that sickening feeling. Mm. You know how you've let the team down. Every run, and, every boundary. And I was penalised that night in the bar by uh, having to. It was the sort of bogey prize for the night. You know, the idiot of the day. And I, I was. I had to drink uh, what was known as at the club an earthquake, yeah. which is six different shots in one glass, topped up with pineapple juice. And you so you know brandy, rum, whiskey, gin, vodka, and one other, and you had to drink it down in one. And I was only 16 years old at the time, so I was very, very ill. Should after you be that. telling that story on this <laughs> podcast? Well, it sounds like know, child abuse to it, me. It, 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 it probably was, but I, I deserved it, and I've never felt so ill in my life <laughs> after that. Hopefully, uh, Joe Root won't get penalised. Well, he can pay England back by by getting some runs, obviously, in England's first he, innings. He looked determined as well, didn't he? I mean, this wasn't the skittish Joe Root of earlier in the. Serious, no, they put this, ball away, didn't yeah. They? This, this, this was Joe Root with his old Joe Root head on, as Glenn Hoddle would say. He had his Joe Root head on today rather than his basball head on. There was no uh, reverse ramps or anything like that. Although, I presume that comes in the morning, does it? First ball in the morning, you reverse oh ramps. God. Let's you know, let's hope not, in a, you know, from an England perspective. Uh, but he played, I thought he, you know, he played well, didn't he? And he, he needed some skill. A Cummins, I thought, was good with a new ball, excellent, you know, at England. Uh, and so too Mitchell Stark didn't, didn't pick up a wicket but Marsh, Marsh chipped him with another one as well you know what a day for him you know, a, a wonderful hundred and clean ball striking and a wicket before the close and, and very fittingly Marsh uh, had an outstanding day all round I say fittingly because our sponsors IG have introduced this thing the IG Net Gains Fund which we talked about on this podcast and the idea behind it is to raise money from IG to build the net facilities around the country for public use for practice at all the nearby uh, at all these test venues and Marsh has spent the last two or three weeks just in the nets hasn't he we've watched him we've watched him as soon as match starts there he is in the nets out the back wherever which ground we're at just working away at his game doing a bit of bowling doing lots of batting practice doing lots of running as well to get himself in shape and I, he must have wondered when am I going to get the chance mm. to play yeah. uh, finally he did sadly his dad who I played with in Perth Jeff Marsh former uh, Australian opener and also coach uh, wasn't here he was here for the first two tests but he, he then went because he wasn't thinking that Mitch would play he then went on his son his other son Sean Marsh mm. his 40th birthday kind of gallivanting in Bali and they followed the game today knowing that Mitch was playing. They followed it from Bali, I think having had a few drinks, because it was Sean's 40th, and sent a sort of celebratory message at the end. So sort of bizarre situation for the Marsh family, but, you know, no doubt the, the, the you know, dividends paid there by the, the time he has spent in the nets 
and able to deliver today. Yeah, not a bad second prize, is it? Okay, you don't watch your son score a brilliant Ashes 100, but you get to be on holiday uh, in Bali with your other son. And, and that's something Mitch Marsh said. He said, I said, you know, how could you be ready? You haven't played since what, middle of May in the middle. He said, because I've been working hard. I've been, re- you know, I've been working hard in the nets, getting myself ready in case the chance uh, came along. And goodness me, it did today. Yeah, and I think I think he benefited from, um, you know, why was he so effective here? Of course, he was brought up in Perth. Yeah. And Perth is a, a pitch where you can pull and cut with... Uh, a lot of confidence because of the bounce of the pitch is very consistent and I've been sort of trying to think about Headingley and why does it produce these dramatic innings uh, by the likes of Botham by the likes of Stokes fast scoring innings and um, I'm thinking back actually in the case of Mitch Marsh to an innings that Mark Butcher played here in mm. 2001 to win the Ashes test after he had already lost the Ashes but he took Glenn McGrath apart uh, on that day and made 173 on that one of the great uh, test match innings at, uh, at Headingley and it's because I think why he was able to play that innings and why Mitchell Marsh was able to play his innings today was because the bounce at Headingley is very consistent just short of a length it sits up a bit and you can pull and cut with a, a lot of confidence the ball doesn't scoot through low or bounce a bit extra and then what happens is bowlers get pulled off a just back of a length P- players like Mitch Marsh are very good on the pull shot they, they pull you off your back of a length and then you end up trying to over pitch to compensate and you get driven. Mm. So I think his strike rate against the slightly back of a length is like 140 and over pitched 170. So he was able to prosper whenever a bowler strayed in length and there's very little margin of, of error for length on this pitch because particularly the short ball just stops and, and, and says, hit me. Mm. And he did. Yeah, oh my God. I mean, his pulling was incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he said, I, I was able to play like that because I was brought up at the Wacker. Uh, not much um, of Mark Wood against him during that partnership of 155. I think he only bowled three overs while that partnership uh, was on. That might have been something that England sort of missed. I suppose the problem with Wood is you've got to use him in short spells. You can't, you know, there's all that temptation as a captain to, oh, oh another, an extra over, an extra over. You've, got, you've just taken a wicket, a new batter's come in. Uh, but Ben Stokes resisted that today. I don't know whether it would have been worth introducing him while that partnership was going on but of course he was fresh enough to come back and and clean up the tail later on England you're right England just got that wicket in time didn't they it, I mean it looked a pretty a perilous position they were in going into tea it was 240 for four when that over started and also the other thing as well is they only just got that over in I was I, I was on air at the time on test match special saying you know England had such a wretched afternoon here you almost think let's let's not have an extra over let's get off the field and because sometimes a, you know a break can help you but it helped them in the sense that they probably thought they knew that the break was coming. I don't know whether you just switch off a bit, whether it was just a good ball inside edge onto the pad out towards slip and they got the break and after that, well they just they just piled in, didn't they? Wood piled in and after tea. So certainly Headingley has seen some great innings. It's also seen some fantastic bowling spells. And uh, in reference to IG, they've produced this net gains arena. We've talked about it as well. I've had a go at it, facing some of the great Ashes deliveries from the past in the net gains arena. Uh, Today, we saw some dramatic deliveries by Mark Wood from the Kirksall Lane end. Who did that for England in 1981? Bobby Willis. Bobby Willis. And, well, he's no more, of course. Bob Willis very sadly died two or three years ago. 
but his great mate Ian Botham remembers that day with almost as if it was yesterday and last week I caught up with him just to remind us how amazing Bob Willis was and a little memory of that day when he took eight for 43. Well he was underrated I think by most people particularly the people in the UK. Uh, Australians admired him and uh, you had that loopy run up he came in and he looked like he was whipping a horse over the Grand National fences but he came in but he was genuinely quick uh, hostile and uh, because of his height uh, you, uh, second slip always went a couple of yards deeper for him because of that extra bound yeah he was uh, exceptional and when he and he had great stamina uh, he was plagued with injuries his knees you know everyone forgets he, he almost died on the operating theater with a thrombosis he got through that pain barrier and the knee operations aren't like they are today you know it looked a bit like spaghetti junction around his left knee with the scars and what have you so um yeah, you know he he was uh, he was great. It was great fun, fun on and off the pitch. Uh, when he was bowling well, you didn't you didn't go and talk to him. Left him. He didn't want to talk anyway. So he just you know the eyes went steely black and off he went and uh, back of the run up and uh, I mean he freaked out the Aussies. I always remember Headingley where I, I bowled down the slope and he came up and he said after about well, I think Australia were fifty for one chasing hundred and thirty and he just turned around to Breers and said. Uh, Briers, mate, uh, any chance of me coming down the hill with the wind? Uh, get someone else bowling this end? And, of course, 15 and a half overs later, he had eight for 43 and the game was won. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of course, we all remember 1981. Or actually, I don't remember 1981 in a way, yours, because I, I left for a job in Paris that summer. It was in my, between my lower sixth and upper sixth score. I had a job in a hotel in Paris. I left England on the the night of on the friday night after two days when australia were you know about 400 or heading towards 400 to get, to go to paris and in those days you didn't have internet and you didn't have uh, you know you didn't have mobile phones uh, young people listening thinking what on earth what, what sort of world was that it must have been terrible okay well and so you almost lost contact with the cricket i remember phoning home to say uh, just to say i've got there you know i was only about 17 at the time and they said oh england are about 100 and my brother said England are about 170 of seven their first things. I thought, oh, that's the end of that test match. And I sort of forgot about it for a few days. So I sort of missed it all. I, I missed the whole of Botham's Ashes because I had a, you know, um, a job in, in Paris uh, for, the, for the summer. But I did catch up. You know, someone, someone said, oh, what a miracle of heading. I said, what, why England won that test match? About midway through the next week. So, yeah, yeah, this is what happened. So, 
just a reminder, those people who don't remember back to 1981, there will be plenty on this podcast who didn't you know, live through it. It's easy to forget that, isn't it? It's so fresh in our memories, even though it's you know, all those years ago. Australia needed 130 to win. It, it looked like England were going to lose by an innings. England eventually set them 130, thanks to Ian Botham's brilliant 100. And Bob Willis bowled them out, um, bowling mm. from the Kirkstall Lane end uh, on that final day. Yeah, it was a phenomenal spell. Uh, he was in the zone, wasn't he? He actually said, I think he'd had hypnosis before uh, that spell. Somehow, he, he had a way of getting himself into that yeah. that bubble and, and been able to bowl down the hill. It's a hard place to bowl, actually. And of course, the the problem Bob Willis had at that time was he was no balling a lot, mm. and so they had him bowling up the hill, which is from the far end as we look. And it's actually a struggle bowling up the hill. They've leveled the ground off a bit here. They though. have, but it's still a hill from yeah. the bottom end, from the new. Howard stand then, formerly football stand then, it's still a struggle getting up that hill yeah. and that's where Willis started that innings bowling to try not to know ball and then really switched him to this end, the coach laid and he came down the hill, flying down the hill, wasn't worried about no balls and actually it's funny but sometimes even if you are going downhill you don't overstep because you keep your, if you keep your strides shorter because you're going downhill you don't have to work as hard to run in Actually, if you keep your stride pattern a bit shorter, you can end up not no-balling, oddly. And that's what happened to Willis that day. No no-balls, eight Australian wickets, and a dramatic turnaround mm. in the series, and a, a day that everyone will remember who was there. And you, you find hund- hundreds of thousands of people claiming <laughs> they were there, yeah. and actually there was only about 10,000. Yeah, it's a bit like Joan of Arc. They, people, all the people who claim that Joan of Arc stayed in their pub or ever in France, if, if, if she had have done, she'd have lived to about 150. I think she died at about... Burn at the stake about 15 years of age uh, right so but, that was but, but so so mark wood today you know there were just little hints of, of bob willis there i mean it's a different he's a different sort of bowler but it was it was from that end the same end and he got that kind of extra bounce off a length willis that day 8 for 43 he got the ball to really lift and he was a very tall fast bowler so he used that height very effectively wood just had that bit of extra speed and he just got that ball to, to kick off a length and almost kiss the surface. I know Geoffrey Boycott would say he kisses the surface and it gets beautiful carry through to, to keeper. And, and he, he, he did, actually, and that's what made that him wasn't too so bad, effective. That, impression, really. you know? that wasn't too bad, I've, st- I've spent too much time with him <laughs> over the years. I, well, I didn't see him today, actually. I suppose he was here somewhere, cowering away when he saw England playing big shots against the Australian new ball. But they sort of... Well, I was disappointed with Duckett, by the way. Mm. I thought Duckett played a poor shot. He's, he's got a very bad record of leaving the ball, hasn't he? He doesn't well, like doesn't to leave like leaving ball. it. Simple as that, yeah. And, yeah. Leaves it. And, and that was a ball to leave, He should have left. Yeah. He should have left it. And, and he just got, you know, nicked behind. But, but was, bat was a bit crooked. It was the sort of shot that I worried about him playing when I saw him batting in the winter. Mm. I thought, you know, he'll get out like that. He was out against and, against South Africa. Andrich Nokia got him out in a one-day international. And I just thought, crooked bat, trying to cut a ball too close to you against a new ball, that's going to get you into trouble against the Aussies. Mm. And, it, and it has, three times out of five, actually, uh, so far in the series. Obviously, he played really well at Lords, where there wasn't much bounce, and he played impressively. But I think he got found out here by the extra bounce. Crawley was a bit skittish, I thought. I mean, he played some good shots. I thought, I thought he played really well. Did you? Yeah, I thought he played really well, looked secure, and then he, he, he did what Zach Crawley does, didn't he? He, he, he played nicely, nicked one. Yeah, and played one. That, I mean, it was a, a very indeterminate shot, mm. didn't need to play the ball. It was against Mitch Marsh, and he just sort of poked at it, mm. and it was a bit disappointing. And I'm sorry, but Harry Brook was exposed. He looked a bit out of his depth, I didn't mean, he, we, number we, three? We said 
before this test started, we don't really like him at number three. Mm. Thought it was a, a bit too soon for him to be promoted that high, and it was it was a massive challenge for him going in at you know ten for one or fifteen for one or something. Mm. D- very difficult situation near the end of the day. Two top bowlers, two you know of the best bowlers in the world to face. New ball, bit in the pitch. I couldn't see him lasting. No, and I, I was at, we were talking about it upstairs, and we were saying you, you feel as if he could get out any moment. And it was absolutely no surprise uh, when he nicked off. I, I mean, I think he's got a huge amount of talent, and I think he'll he'll sort it out over time. You know, you, he's, he's still young. You know, think about him in three, four years' time. I think he'll sort it out, and I think he, he will be a top-class player. I mean, you know, he's had a great start. He's had a great year, hasn't he? And all all players go through that, don't they? They have highs, especially young players. They have high, and then a bit of a low, and then often sometimes they get dropped. Um, sometimes they don't. You know, and they on they go. And, management persevere with them but he's just in that he's, he's just having a difficult time of it remember Ian Bell in Ashes series he had a difficult time of it didn't he back in 2005 Five, yeah. and look what he came up with you might say he's, you know, he's more technically correct than uh, Harry Brook but I think Harry Brook's got an awful lot of talent and you know, his day will you know, definitely come again but he, he, it, what I felt about him is he didn't look that convinced himself that he was a number three in that situation because it's tough isn't it at the top of the order you've just lost an early wicket it's not easy so one other thing a little thought I sat in the crowd a bit today and I sat on the western terrace I thought there'd be some explosive stuff I thought that you know the crowd would be baying for Aussie blood and stuff. And there was actually, a bit, there was a bit of that wasn't there it wasn't much actually no. I mean it was actually quite respectful there was a bit of booing when the various people came out to bat and I, I, they loved it when David Warner was out, caught behind but generally I, I went into the crowd thinking I'm going to record some great sounds of booing and things, it, it was alright I, I mean I'll just play a little bit as we're, as we're chatting away here uh, just to, as an underlay but overall I thought the crowd were quite well behaved actually, whether it will change if the game becomes on a knife edge and something controversial happens. We noticed at the end of the day, Bairstow very pointedly yeah. putting his bat into the into the crease a few times, and, and that caused a bit a bit of amusement. But actually, the Aussies, I sat amongst some Aussies for a while, and they were very, very respectful actually. And mm. they didn't. Well, obviously, when Mitch Marsh was going well, they mm. were cheering and stuff. But generally, it was quite a muted crowd, and mm. I thought actually a knowledgeable crowd mm. as well. People here love their cricket and they know the game and so they responded at the appropriate moments. Right, well a couple of things I mean there were there were there were some boos when Carey came out to bat yes. there were some boos when Cummins came out to bat so the noise level went up there but also this is Yorkshire you do you, don't you you do run a stump of player when they're out of their ground up, up in Yorkshire don't you yeah and you know, if you're at your ground, lad, you know, I'm going to throw a ball at stumps. Absolutely right. I stayed the night last night with a, a wicketkeeper who played for Durham, Andy Fothergill, yeah. played a bit for Durham in the 90s. And, you know, he said in league cricket, it happens every day. Yeah. You know, try and roll a, a batsman out. If he wanders out of his crease, mm. he's, he's mine, mate. Yeah. You know, so I totally. So perhaps the tide is turning a bit in, you know, in, in the sort of uh, stumping gate, if you like. People are going, actually, you know, the, the laws say it's perfectly legitimate. I mean, lots of ex players, not just all the Australians, but the England ex players are saying it's perfectly legitimate as well. Perhaps that message is filtering through. I, st- I still think there'll be some sort of pantomime booing because it's it's a it's sort of a way of trying to get into the opposition isn't it you you try to sort of just yeah get into the heads a bit uh, I, yeah, not easy I, I mean Carey sort of took a bit of the brunt of it from the crowd today when he came out and then he then he had a difficult
difficult time because he was hit on the head and then he, he spoon went up to cover. So, yeah, it might have been quite a tough day uh, for him. Uh, but perhaps, perhaps the, uh, you know, the, the intensity in that debate is, is sort of being turned down now. I mean, it's been an ri utterly ridiculous week. Uh, nuance has, has gone completely uh, from the whole thing. Uh, let, let's move. It's time to move it on, is, isn't it? It is time to move on. I, I do think, though, that the, I, I'm very saddened by the behaviour of those members yeah. of the MCC Pavilion. And we, we mentioned it a bit on the, the, the review mm. of the last day. I mean, it was a pathetic performance by MCC members. And the, chat, the sad thing is, and if you listen to the Storylines podcast mm. that we posted on this platform yesterday, a great interview with uh, Dr. Sarah Fain, who does fantastic work mm. for the MCC Foundation. And it's a sad state thing to say mm. that that those actions of three idiots in the MCC pavilion and maybe a few others undermines all the fantastic work that the MCC do. So check out that interview with uh, Melissa Story and Nikki Chowdhury from Dr. Sarah Fain, who's in charge of the MCC Foundation. The incredible work they do around the world for the game. Listen out for that. And I, I guess, you know, just to finish on this game, England batting second, so batting last, is it going to come down to Cummings against Stokes uh, with two wickets left and Simon Mann on commentary saying Stokes crashed it through the offside for four and England have won the match Is that going to happen? Well let's find out It's another cracking game and we can't wait for the second day Thanks for listening We'll speak to you tomorrow Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.